Thanks, Dave. And thank you, everybody, for joining in the participatory nature of, of Advent and this, uh, this Advent season. Um, you know, I teach elementary school in my regular, you know, my day job, and turning things into things we can remember, things that we can hold on to, actually is the business of teaching, as is taking complicated ideas and trying to make them things we can hold on to. So if you'll forgive me this morning, um, I said to Alan, there's going to be no complicated exegesis this morning. We're going to go to the heart of things. And I hope that's okay for us as we kick off this morning. I also uh, will warn you now, don't get too comfortable. Um, my message this morning is not that long. So by the time you get your coat off and you're self-organized and you're coffee drunk, it might be time for soup and Sabbath. So, um, you know, don't get too comfortable and we'll see where we go from there. You know, as I looked back over the years in my quote unquote sermon files, which are few, probably thankfully for all of us, far, few and far between, I realized I've been in this position a few times before, uh, speaking for a few moments on the nature of hope. If you don't remember, that's actually perfect, because that's more for us to think about just now. Um, so here we are, beginning of Advent, the next four weeks, we are going to take this journey toward Christmas. It, in this season, it is our desire that you would hear and participate in scripture and songs and stories and prayers and poems that will draw us not only closer to Christmas and to each other, but hopefully, ultimately, closer to Jesus. And today I get to kick off the season and map where we are headed. Dave, you kind of stole my thunder, but you know, I'll let it go. Um, so we're gonna set the stage for the next few weeks. Our theme is that Jesus brings hope, and that hope brings peace and joy and love. We've used the word breathes. I kind of like that, the idea that hope breathes these things in us, the hope of Jesus, Jesus' hope, Jesus who is hope. So as we dive in, let's pray. Hope bringer, peace offerer, joy breather, love giver, would you help us to catch a glimpse of what you are inviting us toward in this Advent season? Amen. I think it would be fair to begin in a place we often begin. We need to maybe name, state the obvious, how much we need hope right now. Oh, so many things in the world are broken. So many things internationally are broken. So many things province, our town, and even if we were honest, our own lives, our own selves. We need this hope in our hearts and our minds. And we don't want to dismiss all of that that is true. So hear me when I say we're not being fake or diving into some butterflies and unicorns thing, but we have to hold intention the fact that the world is broken and we need help, that things are wrong with the world, and yet the reality and the confidence that we want to lean into is that Jesus 
has always been about bringing hope. Even despite all evidence to the contrary, the story has always been one of hope. God's story has always been that way. So how do we put these two things together? How do we hold that tension between the hardness of the world and such astounding hope? It has been said that we need the darkness in order for hope to make sense. But how do we live with our feet firmly planted in reality and in the truth of hope? We don't want to shy away, but we want to bear witness to this confidence that we have that Jesus is bringing about hope. These are good questions, and I hope, pardon the pun, that we can come a little bit closer to a response in the next few minutes. As I was working my way through the preparations for this opportunity to share, I was struck by a couple of seemingly uncomplicated things. And so here's my point. Jesus brings hope, and we can receive that hope. The, The verses in Romans, as I read and thought, actually felt like they leapt off the pages of my Bible one morning. I don't know if you've had that experience where you've read something. I've probably read Romans 50 times in my lifetime. And this just leapt off the page. I had to do just the tiniest bit of research because, well, I'm kind of a nerd that way. So the introduction to the New Testament that I pulled off the shelf, you know, one of those great big guys, called these verses the implications of mercy. And then later, the author goes on to comment that the statements are actually the way Christ acted. Huh, I like that. The implications of mercy are the way that Christ acts. Hmm. Jesus acts out the implications of his mercy. How does he do that? Well, let's read it and find out. You've probably already opened your Bible. How do we follow his leading in this way? Let's read it one more time. I don't think we would be, that that would be a a misstep at this point. Romans 15, verses 12 and 13. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, the one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When I read verse 12, I thought immediately of Christmas, of Advent, of my favorite Christmas song that refers to the ransom of captive Israel. From this sprout, from the root of Jesse, comes this glorious promise that Jesus is on his way. My mind also jumped to the metaphor of my own story of a tree. When I moved into my house, one of the things I noticed was that I was the proud owner of a magnolia tree. Of all the trees in all the gardens, this one holds special significance for all sorts of reasons. This tree was a good size. Its leathery leaves dried to that bronze color in the fall, and it bloomed with these immense white blossoms. And every once in a while, it even seemed to bloom out of season, just for me. I think they do that, but I interpreted it that it was just for me. And then my magnificent tree died. 
The deer rubbed off all the bark, all the way around it, and a harsh winter came and my tree was no more. I left it for one more season, hoping against hope that my beautiful tree would come back, but it was not to be. While I wasn't home, a friend helped me by cutting it down and taking it away so I wouldn't have to think about my poor tree. It was particularly hard in kind of a weird way. And for several years, I thought about digging up the roots and making space for a new tree. And then, and I'm sure you can see this coming, last spring, I was cleaning up my yard and the stump had sprouted. I don't know how, I don't know why, but the thing had come back. Hmm. Sounds like a metaphor we know, doesn't it? So I've nurtured it along and offered it its, what it needs, fertilizing it and protecting it from the hungry deer. And I am proud to report that at last sighting, that tree was three feet tall. It's a very good thing. My neighbor, who is quite funny, began to call it the root of Jesse. So you can imagine when I read this verse, when I stumbled across the passage, there it is, new life springing up right from the pages of my Bible. The reference in verse 12 is from Isaiah 11, chap, uh, chapter 11, verse 10. And if you want to follow that reference, you can flip there. Um, it's interesting to me when Paul quotes something, there's this whole other thing that happens around it. But in Isaiah, the verse is, in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the people. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. It doesn't say hope, but wow, that sounds like hope to me. Hundreds of years before the first advent, the prophet Isaiah spoke of the coming of Jesus and how that would bring hope and rule, a rally and a resting place. N.T. Wright says of these verses in Romans, these passages all show that the story of Jesus is interpreted precisely within the wider Jewish narrative. It is the hinge upon which the story turns. In Jesus, we find the one who has arisen to bring hope, and the Gentiles, that's us, will hope in him. The coming of Jesus as a baby into the world will bring hope to us. I'd like to argue that it's the hinge of our stories as well. The incarnation is nestled into a much larger ongoing story. The story that God has been singing out from all time, which will continue into eternity. God has always and always will be telling the story of hope. And then, is as if the story of the tree and the root of Jesse wasn't enough of a reminder of hope, Paul continues in this loaded blessing that Dave wrote to music. It piles up layers and layers and layers of speaking in how the Holy Spirit who was breathed onto them will continue to bring hope. He goes on to say there's a direct connection between the hope Jesus brings and joy and peace. And I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that Paul wouldn't be too offended if we popped love in there too. But not to argue with Paul, uh, I'll let you decide. But this isn't a modest hope. It's an overwhelming hope. It's an overflowing hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. As I lingered there, I found myself saying a hearty yes to this hope 
felt really good to me in the midst of all that we face. And then I started to think, well, how does it come? How does hope arrive? Is it just a feeling that we catch sometimes? Is it an event? How do we notice and recognize and become aware of this hope within and all around us? I confess I didn't really know. I mean, I know that experience of being hopeful, but how does it come? Well, I was helped rather dramatically by a familiar verse in the Christmas story. So if you want to, you can flip with me to Luke chapter 2. And I landed on verse 19. Now, we know this verse. This is not, this is not new to us. But it says this. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I thought, what things? What things does she tuck in? What does she put in her heart? So I, I read backwards, and I started at the top of the Christmas story, and I began to see these snapshots, places where I can imagine that she took this thing that had happened, this little moment, and was able to tuck it into her heart. Places where hope breathes peace, joy, and love to Mary along the way. She's carrying the hope of the world, and she's got these things that happen. Now, I'm going to ask you to take a bit of an imaginative journey with me, because we can't get inside Mary's head, but we can play with this a little bit, I think. Snapshot one. The census is declared sending the newlyweds on a journey. I've always read this as sort of an exhausted disappointment. Oh, off we go. We must go to Bethlehem. But I wonder, actually, if a newlywed might be a bit excited. There might be a bit of joy in a story of an adventure at the beginning of a marriage. The hope she's been offered here is going to be a story of joy. Hope breathes joy into her as they set out, I think, maybe. Snapshot two, riding on a donkey. Now, this cannot be comfortable. And I imagine that the donkey came as quite a relief. Rather than walking all that way, this humble beast is acquired to help her. Her long-awaited son is coming, and now she has a bit of an easier way to arrive. Perhaps hope breathes peace as they clop along. Okay, now we can't ignore the birth, the birth of her child. I can imagine the love that would pour from her heart to her husband and her son. Mary knows he's God's son. And I can only imagine how this hope for a Messiah and God and her and Joseph, and it collides with the hope that she has with her little family. Hope breathes love. Snapshot four, the arrival of the angel sighting shepherds. Now here, I don't know if we get the comedy of this. I think her hope that it's all true happens to come into the front of her mind in this moment. Out of the darkness come these laughing, grand, ridiculous, sweaty, smelly shepherds out of the night with angel songs just for her. Hmm. Hope 
peace, joy, love. It's all there in that moment, I think. And she takes these things in. She notices them. She tucks them away. And she lets them take root in her heart. Sounds like something else, doesn't it? Sounds like the verse we read earlier. The hope she has received breathes peace and joy and love to her daily life. A shoot springs up. And when her life gets hard, and we know that it does quite quickly, actually, the flight to Egypt, the death of Joseph, and then in 30 years, we know it's going to get really hard. So this led me to wonder, how is the God of hope, through the power of the Holy Spirit, bringing hope to you and me in the midst of our own stories? How is Jesus bringing hope right here at the end of 2023? And as I let my mind drift over the last few months, my own snapshots kind of came into focus and four encounters welled up as I thought about hope and joy and peace and love. For me, all of the messengers were people, encounters that I had, small little moments. But it makes sense. That's often how I hear God's voice is through other people. But I imagine these little moments, these little ponderings, these treasures that, like Mary, we could tuck into our hearts, might come in the words of a song, an article you read, the coffee brought to your desk by a kind friend, or maybe even a beautiful yet stubborn tree in your garden. So we're going to take some time now and do a bit of thinking, a bit of reflection. Andrew's going to come, and he's just going to play a little bit of instrumental music for us. And I'd like to share my own four stories with you. And I share them not so that we can look at my story so much, though that might give you a place to start, but perhaps places where you might notice how hope and peace and joy and love have come to you, how they are being brought to you and how you might receive them as is my sort of way of being in the world, I've written each one into a tiny little poem. And I hope that the spareness of the words, the simplicity of the snapshot, might allow you to breathe, might allow it to breathe, and the freedom to let the Spirit reveal what he's bringing to you and how you might receive it. After each of the little stories, there's a question that I'll ask, and we'll just hang out with that for a few seconds and see where it takes you. If it takes you nowhere, that's okay. Just enjoy the, the music and the silence. But I suspect that God's been doing all sorts of things for you as well. The questions, the little reflection questions, are on the handout on your chair if, you, if it's helpful for you to see them as you kind of linger with them. And if the time is too short, you can take them into the week and wonder about it. Maybe stick them on the fridge and see where it takes you. How hope comes. It was cold. I was late. In and up the stairs, hoping the usual tests would be routine. 
I stood, took my turn, held my breath, and hurried back out. And then I saw her. She was focused on her book in a yellow chair, swathed in that blue hospital gown. And with a jolt, 30 years disappeared. She'd been there through the roughest patch of my first year. She was strong, confident, patient, regulated long before we knew that, what that word even meant. Spontaneously, I wrapped my arms around her and touched her soft skin. We held hands as she waited for her turn. This is how hope comes in our shared humanity. We come rushing in all alone and leave all together. With whom or where have you shared hope this week? peace comes. I couldn't decide. Was there a new noise? Out of my depth with my new car's idiosyncrasies, I pulled up to take the keys in. Corey, I said, it's me again. I think it needs something, but I'm not quite sure. You free right now? He said, let's take a drive. He left his desk, other customers, more pressing needs, and hopped on in. We zoomed out of town, and he took the wheel. Completely normal, he proclaimed. I asked all my embarrassing questions on the ride home. He laughed and charged me nothing. This is how peace comes, with an offer of help. We come in all ruffled and flustered and leave reassured. Who or what has offered you peace this week? How joy comes. On the way out the door, he'd asked me my favorite candy. On a whim, I picked the Tootsie Roll. Chocolatey, chewy, sweet. It was an obscure choice, but fun. The next day, he arrived with his mom. Gift in hand, he plunked it on my desk and said, you said you liked them, and I think they're yucky. His pale face still sticky from the night before. He had heard me. My heart exploded as I took a bite. This is how joy comes in a seven-year-old boy. We come to work on a regular Wednesday and leave so much sweeter. Where have you witnessed a joy bringer this week?
how love comes. The perfect day had been filled with words, beautiful, true, heartfelt words. From pastor to waiter, each offered kind words to the happy couple, and all of them were good. At the end, the groom's father stood up. He is a man of very few words. During the day, he'd quietly smiled and offered his help. And as I remember it, he simply said, we love you. And there was not a dry eye in the house. It was all that needed to be said about our girl who is now theirs too. This is how love comes. In well-placed words, we come all carefully constructed and love undoes us. What words have helped you to notice love this week? So there we are. It's always been. God's story has always been a story of hope. Right from the beginning. Right until now. Hope is offered. Jesus brings it. And we can receive it. Flowing into peace and joy and love. And so I'd like to leave you with the verses again from Romans. This time in the message. And Isaiah's word, there is the root of our ancestor Jesse, breaking through the earth and growing tree tall, tall enough for everyone everywhere to see and take hope. Oh, may the God of green hope fill you up with joy fill you up with peace so that your believing lives filled with the life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit will brim over with hope. Amen. <laughs>